Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 44 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. I want to dive right into the stories for this week that uh, jumped out at me and caught my attention, and you've probably seen some of them and uh, wanted to give you my viewpoint on it and hopefully hear back from you and hear what you think as well. First off, wasn't it great to see uh, Eddie Betts and Isaac Rankin square off against one another in the... Uh, Opening game up in uh, Darwin, that was was wonderful. You know, the Guernsey exchange at the end was almost like a passing of the torch from Eddie to to Isaac. It was dynamite to see both of them, you know, playing at such a high level. You know, to me, Eddie is Eddie Betts is still one of the the most enjoyable players to watch play the game because he he looks like he is having an absolute joyful time out there while he's playing. Now, not everybody else looks that way. A lot of players do, but he he certainly seems that way. And, you know, when I first started watching the game a few years ago, seeing him interacting with the fans when he was still with the Crows was, was a sight to behold because he fed off of their energy. And they were not hesitant to give that to him at all because it was, you know, it was a great give and take between the two of them. So it was it was wonderful to see those two gentlemen get to face off in the uh, in the first round of the uh, Sir Douglas Nichols competition this week. And you know, the second game, while it, it's not likely to be economically or financially feasible to hold the game in Darwin in the future, simply just because of the the sheer volume of the crowd at the MCG as opposed to in Darwin, and uh, you know, I think people would recognize that wasn't it fun to have that game up there this week it really was and it was absolutely wonderful and and me being an American watching the game I was just engrossed by the imagery that I saw before the game began you know the the players uh standing together uh the 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 gentlemen who were were dancing and performing then the uh, the welcome speech by by Richard Vejo of the Larakia people was just moving because it was it it was something where he was welcoming of everyone and it was great to to see that it was great to uh, to see that game be played in that location and you know I know there's usually a game or two that are played in Darwin each year but it was it was really nice to see a game played there during this round. And maybe it can't be the Dreamtime game, but who knows? Maybe they can sneak another game up there. Maybe Gold Coast can play their uh, their Sir Douglas Nichols round in Darwin each year. It was uh, it was terrific, and you know it was such a welcoming message, you know, and it was something that's going to help bring people together. Even though you know most of us are being kept apart by this damn pandemic that's going on, you know. And as far as the game went, you know, even though the Bombers lost. You know, there was somebody who footy fans have been waiting to see for a while, and he burst on the scene. And that's uh, Irving Mosquito. And he played a dynamite first game at the highest level. And, you know, and I have to admit, and, and maybe you saw these as well, but all the photographs I saw of him when he had been picked up by the Bombers and became part of the club, he looked, the photographs looked like they'd been taken a long time ago. He actually looked rather diminutive. He looked very small. 
But when you saw him out on the field this first game, that young man is absolutely ripped. You know, I think it's safe to say that he has not wasted a second of his time that he has spent in the weight room. Every single set that he's supposed to have been lifting, he's been doing. He is, he looks like somebody that, you know, is not going to just be able to run away from people, which I'll talk about in a second here, but he's going to be able to muscle through some things as well. And, you know, if, if Zach Butters hadn't taken that, uh, that tip from Scott Lysette and scored that, uh, that slicing goal late against the Hawks this week, you know, Mosquito's goal where he literally ran away from the Tigers might have been the goal of the week because he just accelerated and he was still accelerating away from them as he made that kick. It was, it was just, it was impressive to see. And here's hoping that the Bombers, you know, keep him in the 22 the rest of the way because he might just kind of be the spark that they need because they've been kind of a rudderless ship for the last several weeks. And I think he's definitely somebody who would compliment uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody's game. And, you know, Rosanna from AFL Obsessed, I know you're thrilled about his performance. I know you were excited to see him listed as being playing. So, good on you. It was great to see that uh, that uh, that performance by Irving Mosquito, and I'm looking forward to watching him again here in the coming weeks. Now, the second uh, piece that I wanted to get into, let's just put it out here, okay? Dylan Grimes and Nick Vlaston, they channeled their favorite soccer players this weekend. Dylan Grimes, he dove. He fell down with very little help from Jake Stringer. Unfortunately, the umpires didn't see it that way, and they stripped a goal away from the Bombers during this exact same game. You know, both Dylan Grimes and Nick Vlaston have been fined for staging during that game. They pulled a goal off the board that the Bombers had scored. The Bombers lost that game by 12 points. You know, it's uh, the AFL is going to have to do something about this staging because it's one of the, it's one of the reasons why I am not a soccer fan is because soccer players, you know, they and yes, soccer players do get injured; they get hurt. But in a lot of instances, they don't get hurt, but they sure look like they got hurt, or they're pretending that they got hurt. You know, the AFL is going to have to do something about staging, aren't they? You know, I, I don't know what it is. I think I talked about an episode here a couple of weeks ago that, that the idea of using, you know, the, an NFL-type uh, challenge flag where the coach could challenge a play like they do in the NFL wouldn't necessarily work in the AFL because it's too free-flowing. The game's moving too quickly. You know, the, the fines that they offer, sure, they're, they're a punishment, but they're certainly not a deterrent in that game situation. Those fines, that uh, was, I think, $2,000 total, which I guess during this season was cut in half. So that $1,000 that was collected from, from uh, Grimes and Vlaston, that, that gives uh, you know, little solace to the Bombers who you know, lost at least two and probably four points, or maybe four points, on the ladder this week. So it left them four points... Uh, but out of the instead of being four points out of the eighth spot, they're now six points out. So, yeah, I don't know what can be done. Uh, can the boundary umpires maybe be charged with more responsibility than simply throwing the ball back in and, and whistling when the ball has gone out of bounds? Can can they be given the responsibility of being able to to confer with the up the three umpires that are on the field and say, hey, you know what? 
he didn't push him. I saw it. It wasn't, or, or does that happen? Maybe I just have not picked up on it. Cause again, I've not seen a game in person. I've only seen what, what comes up on my television screen. So maybe that is occurring, but there's got to be a way for them to be able to say, you know what? You didn't get hit. You fell down on your own. We're not going to negate that goal. Something's got to be done to do that. You know, is there is there a way that they can help to refute the staging that's going on there? I'd love to hear what you think about that. Because, you know, arguably those two calls right there, because Vlasten got a 50-meter penalty out of his, which led to a very short kick and a short goal. So theoretically, that was not a 12, but in many cases, an 18-point turnaround. Because the Bombers had, ta- had a goal taken off of the, the scoreboard for them. Now, that being said, this is still just a game. And yet there are some people who are out there still making death threats against Dylan Grimes and his family on social media. It's, uh, it's disgusting. It's disturbing. Fortunately, and I don't know if there was more than one, but uh, there was one arrest that was made. Uh, uh, I saw it. I just linked to the article as well. A, a 39-year-old man in Frankston who uh, was arrested for having made terroristic threats on social media, and he was bonded out. He, he was bailed out and goes back to uh, court, I believe, in May of next year. So the courts must be real busy. Um, was he the only one? I don't know. Maybe he was. But, uh, you know, I guess I'm becoming a little too old to get bent out of shape about that sort of thing. You know, I generally don't let... Uh, Things like this bother me too much anymore. Now, I guess I'm, I'm compl- I guess you could say I'm complaining about them right now, but I'm mainly just talking about them. Um, but you know, I, uh, I generally don't let stuff like this bother me. To me, it's kind of like water off a duck's back. Okay, it's it's just it's there and it's gone. Of course, then if something in in life happens that's dumb, for example, first day of school this this week. I'm sorry, last Friday was my first day back. Getting, you know, got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, getting ready to get dressed and head off to work for my first day. And my 12-year-old dog, who I love dearly, had peed on the carpeting. And I didn't notice it until I stepped in it, barefoot, of course. Yeah, uh, the next morning, getting ready to head out, I've made my coffee, got my coffee filling up in the coffee cup, and I went to pull it off of the brewer and proceeded to dump half of it on my pants. So, you know, I, those are, those are dumb things, things that shouldn't happen. You know, things that I have done that I could have prevented that were just, you know, dumb things. So I I have a little pressure release valve that my wife, my wife says that I have a combo platter of an expletive word that I use. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the word here. I'll just give you the acronym. Okay. G-D-M-F-S-O-B. Boom. It's gone. I've said it. It's over. And I move on to something else, but it's just my way of saying, Aw, oh, darn it, this shouldn't have happened. But, aw, oh, darn it, it shouldn't have happened. Sounds so lame. So I use this other one, and it's over. And I move on from there. Uh, she wasn't up for you know for work at that point in time yet, so I didn't say it loudly enough for her to say, to hear me. Uh, but it was uh, it was over, you know. But back to the original part of the pot, uh, reason that I brought up this issue. You know, if, if you're someone, or if you know someone who's decided that they want to make, you know, threats and that sort of thing, against an athlete online or something like that because of their performance, maybe it's time to find something else to do with your time. 
Find another television show. Go take a walk out in nature and do a little self-assessment while you're out there. Basically, as I tell my kids at school, you know, just chill like you are a freshly made bowl of jelly or jello as we call it here in the United States. Um, but yeah, I, I still, I just can't fathom how people get so upset and, you know, say they want to do harm to someone because of a sports performance. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't make sense, you know, so, and, and I'm, I'm a Cleveland sports fan that had my heart broken by Michael Jordan and John Elway on several occasions. So, yeah. Now the last, the last little bit of uh, news that I wanted to get into this weekend, and this was a story that, that I ran across and I'm sure many of you have read. Now, if you're in the States, you may not have read this yet. And I think it's important that you do read about this gentleman. I shared a couple of articles about him in the show notes. Uh, I, I strongly encourage you to go back and take a look at these because my little discussion of, of what went on with him can certainly not do him justice. But uh, there were several articles that came out this week about a gentleman by the name of Robert Muir. And Robert Muir played 68 games with the Saints. And he's in his late 60s, if I'm not mistaken. And like I said, if you didn't get a chance to read this article, it's an absolute must-read because he was treated horribly. In many ways, he's he's kind of the the poster child as to why the Sir Douglas Nichols round is it is so damned important because of the way that people like Robert Muir, who happens to have you know been somebody who was uh, you know an indigenous background, how he was treated. And if you read this article, you, you'll you'll see the things that happened to him during his younger playing days as a youngster and as a teenager, and it, it's horrifying what happened to him. And you know, I, I it was it was sad to see that you know the names of the different clubs pop up that you know were players, and I you know, they didn't specify which players, and if those players are still living, they know who they are. But. You know, the players who, you know, the teams that had said things to him and what had occurred and just the way that this gentleman was treated. And uh, it was so disheartening to read about his life in footy and especially what happened to him after he got done playing the game where, quite frankly, the competition had basically cast him aside as though he didn't exist, as though he wasn't somebody who had played 68 games with the Saints. The Saints basically saying, you know, you're not part of this club. You're not part of our history. We're not including you. And thank goodness for this article calling the competition out onto the carpet, calling this treatment of this man and others like him, I'm sure, out into the light. You know, there's a saying about politics, and it kind of applies here, that sunlight is the best disinfectant. I, I, I tell my kids in my government classes that all the time that, you know, that the people say that if you if you know, if you put and if you put the politicians actions out there in front of you and you put them out there in public, you're going to hold them accountable. And, you know, it's the same thing in Australia as it is here in the United States. The people who we elect to office need to remember that they work for us. We don't work for them. So that's where I get the, the, you know, so holding them accountable is important. 
and I and I'm not getting into which side of the aisle or anything like that that I'm on because that's not important here. But we have to be willing to hold people accountable and you know, people in high places. And in, in this instance, it's people who have been involved in the AFL or who had been involved in the AFL who are now not not necessarily being held accountable, but are being shown for what they were. And hopefully these people have moved past this mentality. Like I said, they, they didn't really mention a whole lot of names. You know, they mentioned some things as he was growing up, some specific names and such, but they didn't really get into any specific names or a whole lot of specific names in this article. But hopefully those people have realized the, the, the results of their actions and they've, they've decided, you know, or they figured out this was wrong that I did this and I shouldn't have done this. And hopefully they've been able to move past that. But what has been interesting is that in this article, Mr. Muir had talked about how he had gone back to the league to try to get some help with having his shoulder repaired, which I guess had become severely injured right towards the end of his playing career. And he's 68 years old, if I remember correctly from the article. He hasn't played in the league for a number of years. And they said, well, that's not our responsibility anymore. Somebody who read this article started a GoFundMe page. And they, they, they had said in the article that it was going to cost around $28,000 to to perform this surgery. And they had talked about in this article how he had uh, been living, in many cases, kind of hand-to-mouth as he has, is going into his, his advanced years. That he did not have a lot of money set aside and that type of thing. I put a link to the GoFundMe page, which is now closed. At least it was closed the last time I looked. So I'm not putting it there saying, hey, please donate. But they raised over $112,000 in 24 hours to help this gentleman out, to get his surgery done, to, I'm sure sure hoping that the other money is used to allow him to, to try to do some of the things in his life that he needs to do that he has not had the resources to be able to do earlier. You know, it's been great to see these apologies come forward from some of the different clubs, from the league. And, you know, while these, these apologies can't take away the hurt that he felt when he was being spit upon and having racial epithets screamed at him while he was playing growing up and into his time in the VFL, fortunately, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And I think it is... And maybe that was the reason why this happened. And I, I don't know. I don't know the, the nuances of, of the news business in Australia. But it seems like there was kind of a point as to why this article came out during this round, during the Sir Douglas Nichols round. I think it was vitally important. You know, the Saints, I believe, have reached back out to him and, and have you know stated that, you know, when times are more normalized, which they're, of course, not right now, that they're going to welcome him back into the fold as part of the club and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's a uh, it's a step in the right direction to bring Mr. Muir back into the footy family and get him the uh, the respect that he richly deserves. Um, so, again, it's a very sad article to read. But reading what has happened and hearing what has happened after that article was published tells me there's a little good going on in the world. So if you haven't had a chance to uh, to read that article yet, I've linked to it in the show notes. I strongly encourage you to read it. It's a long article, but it is well worth the time. Like I said, I, I, it's one that I, I really think you should take a look at. Now, 
Before I wrap up for this week, I want to get into my tips for this week for round uh, 14. Last round, I was uh, 6 out of 9. And just like the previous week, I missed on Fremantle again. I also got Gold Coast and Melbourne wrong. Dockers fans, I promise you this. And if you're listening and you're going, why don't you ever pick our club? Well, one time I did pick you, 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 you did lose. Uh, so I was I was wrong then, but the last couple times I've not picked you and you've won. I promise you, Dockers fans, stay tuned. I will not pick against you this week. I promise. Maybe. <laughs> so, the first game, Essendon and Hawthorne. I have the Bombers winning this one by 10 points. The Hawks are still scuffling. They've lost 7 out of 8. How's that possible? I... I it's one of those cases where the mighty have fallen, most certainly. And you know, do they are, have they hit rock bottom yet to where they can start building back, or are they still on their way towards rock bottom? Um, you know, if the Bombers want to have any sort of chance at making the finals, this is an absolute must-win for them. You know, after the the dynamic debut that uh, I talked about earlier in the episode, uh, hopefully Irving Mosquito will find his way back into the twenty-two. You know, the Bombers have been rather dysfunctional this year, but I think that they're about to get their ship righted. I heard some rumblings online that said that Joe Danaher might be back this week. That would be a huge boost for them. I don't know if he's played in any of their uh, their practice contests or not, but hopefully he's he's ready to go. If he is, I, I think he can only help them. So I've got Essendon beating Hawthorne by 10 points. Now West Coast and Richmond. And uh, I've got West Coast winning this one by two goals. Yeah, the Eagles are about to leave their comfort of Optus Stadium, having played their last six games there. And uh, they head back into the Queensland hub. Now, I was joking online with somebody that uh, on Facebook over the weekend that were the Eagles going to find themselves getting dressed and get their shoulders and knees strapped up and heading out to the grounds at Optus Stadium and wondering where the Tigers were, having missed their flight to Queensland. Um, but I think that, uh, the, I'm sorry. I think that the Eagles are playing inspired footy right now. And while they're not at the top of the ladder, they might find themselves worthy of that before the season is up. They're playing very well right now. You know, I think that they're going to be able to carry forward this strong play. Now that they're back into the hub, they've gone home. They've righted the ship. They have become a, a cohesive unit. Nick Natanui is playing the best footy that I've ever seen him play. And, you know, I think that, that he's going to be a dominant force against Richmond, and I see West Coast knocking them off by two goals. Now, the next game is Geelong and Western. Sorry, Frode, but uh, I'm not taking the Bulldogs here. I've got the Cats winning this one by nine points. The Bulldogs really do need this one, though, if they want to solidify their spot in the top eight. Unfortunately, though, for the, you know, the Cats, after their... Uh, they came out of their first half with the Crows, and, and you know, they came out laser-focused because the Crows played very well in the first half against the Cats last week. I think the Cats are going to come into this round laser-focused, and they're going to win it by nine. The Cats have a bye coming up, so it's likely they're going to put their best 22 out onto the field, knowing that they've got, I think, nine or ten days off before they play their next game. And, of course, if you're a, a Cat supporter, having a bye week is not something that you always think fondly of. Hopefully that's not the case this year. There's so much other stuff that's going going on differently. Hopefully the buy is not a problem for us this year. 
You know, the Cats have struggled mightily coming out of their bye week. So, and, uh, you know, the Bulldogs have, have got this, this offensive hydra that is developing between Mitch Wallace and Bailey Smith and, and Mark, Marcus Bontepelli. They're becoming a, a great club. I mean, they were already a great club, but Wallace is, is playing the best I've seen him play. You know, Marcus Bontepelli is just continuing to be a great performer like he is, as is Bailey Smith. And, you know, I think this is going to be the, the, the second best matchup of the week behind the uh, the Eagles and Tigers game. And I, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, it's one I'll be watching on the television in my classroom before school starts. So I'm very excited about that. Now, Port Adelaide and Sydney. And I've got the uh, power winning this one by 15. This is a game that Port absolutely must win if they want to hold on to their spot at the top of the ladder. You know, on paper, they are a much more talented club, and they should win this handily. But other than this past week where the Dockers absolutely choked off the Swans' offense, they've had some, they've had some bright spots. They've played pretty well. And, you know, John Longmire's got this, this young group of kids playing with some, some passion, with some excitement, thinking positively about themselves. But I still think that, that Port is too talented to not beat them by two and a half goals. So that's where I think it's going to happen. And I think the Swans, who, you know, are really beat up with their talls, are going to have a difficult time containing Charlie Dixon. And I think, I think, uh, I think Big Dix gets at least three goals this week against uh, Sydney. Okay, Dockers fans, Fremantle and GWS. I've got Fremantle winning this one by eight points. And again, I want to admit it. The Dockers the last few weeks have kind of been my kryptonite when it comes to tipping games. Now, each of the last three rounds, I've gotten them wrong. Well, I'm tipping the Dockers to knock off the Giants. And let's be honest, folks. In the last few weeks, they have played absolutely stifling defense. They're just not letting other teams score. You know, the Giants have, have struggled to score as well. They really struggled this past week, uh, trading goals with the Eagles, you know, before they kind of made it close, a couple goal difference at the end, but they, they really struggled for long periods of time moving the ball up the field. So, you know, I think that, you know, while this is a club that played in the grand final last year, they really are struggling, and I think this is, is a, uh, a Fremantle team that is ready to make a a strong push into the eight next year. But what's interesting, if you look at their if you look at their uh, their fixture, three of their next five games to close out the season. Now they have to play the Tigers as well still, and I can't remember the fifth game off the top of my head. But three of the five games that they play are against teams that are directly ahead of them for the eight spot on the ladder. And I think right now they're number twelve, or maybe thirteen. So like nine to eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So I know they play the Bulldogs still as well. Um, but they, there's an opportunity for them, if they keep winning, to start knocking off some of these people and moving up the ladder. So, Dockers fans, I'm on board with you for this week, okay? I got the Dockers by eight. St. Kilda and Melbourne. I think this is going to be a very close game. I've got the Saints winning it by five. The Saints lost a very close contest to the Lions last round. Let's be honest, it probably shouldn't have been that close. You know, if you go back and you look at the score, the Lions are having a trouble, a difficult time and trouble putting the, the ball between the two tall sticks. An awful lot of behinds in that game. They're having a, tr- a difficult time scoring goals. 
So while while they've dropped two out of their last three, I think that the uh, the Saints end up topping the Demons this week. You know, the D's have won three in a row before the Bulldogs took care of them last week by 24, 25 points. And like I said, while I think this is a, a close contest, I think the Saints are going to go ahead and, and solidify their spot in the eight because they've already slid down to sixth at this point in time. And I think this is going to be one of the closest contests of the week. Now, Carlton and Collingwood. And I, uh, I'm i going to go with the Blues in this game by four points. And, uh, you know, the Pies, they knocked off the Brews last night. They moved up into the seventh spot. But, you know, they're still devastated by injuries. But, you know, they managed to win last night by, by five goals. You know, the Brews are struggling. Okay, let's be honest about that. Um, the Blues have won two in a row. And they're just a game out of the eight. And, you know, like the Saints and D's game, I think this is going to be very close. But I think the, the Blues are due for another break going their way. So I think that they're going to win this one on a late goal against the Pies. We know how much the Pies hate giving up goals late in games. But uh, it's I, I see it happening this week again. Um, I'm not sure who it's going to be this time. But uh, that's just that's just my, again, that's my prediction. That's what I'm tipping. I'm probably wrong, but that's what I think. Now, I actually changed my position on this game as I sat down to, to type out my uh, notes here this evening. And this is Gold Coast and North Melbourne. And I initially had Gold Coast winning this game. But I flipped it over to the Kangaroos. And I did this because, you know, the Suns, you know, they've become everybody's second favorite team this year. We've been excited to see Matt Rowell, Isaac Rankin, um... The, the King twin, I can't remember which one's which right off the top of my head at the moment here right now. Um, you know, all inspiring us to, to realize, you know what, the future is bright with the Suns. Yeah, I know, pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this weekend, they dismissed five coaches from their coaching staff and one other person from their front office. And, and I think that's going to have an impact on this young club. When they when they see that this has happened now uh, or that this is happening, because I I don't know if these dismissals were instantaneous as though they were happening right now or if these people were being told, hey, you're not going to be back with us next year. I haven't read that deeply into it yet. So I don't know if these coaches were, were fired and said you're done as of today or if they're finishing out this season. I did see that uh, Tom Morris talked about on uh, on the couch that the uh, the soft cap money for these contracts still going forward are going to be absorbed into this year's soft cap. So it will, even though there may be a reduction next year, it's not going to impact them. But like I said, I think this is going to be a, a, a prime opportunity for Reese Shaw's club to get a win that on paper, maybe they shouldn't get, but I think the Suns are going to be figuring out what steps do we take next? Because we just lost a good chunk of our coaching staff. So I'm going to go with the uh, the Kangaroos in this game by eight points. Now, the Crows and Brisbane are both on a bye this week. And, you know, I don't know how many of you are watching the Crows games. I've watched probably eight of them this year. And while they may be a less talented club right now, they're playing hard for Matthew Nix. They're playing really hard for him. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the uh, the Cats and Crows game from last week, and you can find that one on demand, 
as a cat supporter, that first half scared the hell out of me. Because, you know, again, you have to play the game. It's not it, you know, on paper. Sure, the Cats should win that one by, I said I think I said by 30 points, maybe even more than that. But the Crows played inspired footy that first half. And I think that was, you know, as they said on first crack, um, not long after that game, this might be the, the moment where the Crows realize that they've got something to build upon. And, you know, as a result of that high pressure effort against the Cats. Now, they may not win a contest this year. I would hate to see a team go winless for the year. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. My team won uh, in the course of uh, two seasons. They went one win and 31 losses. So I don't wish that on anybody. But uh, th- this group of young men don't quit. They're playing hard. They're Let's be honest, they're playing for their careers because it's very, very distinct possibility that list sizes may be cut down. So they're playing for their jobs in many instances right here, hoping to still have that that position with the club next season. Or if they don't have that position, showing themselves off for other clubs, hoping that there's a spot with them. But, you know, Matthew Nix, like I said, has them playing hard. You know, the Lions, hopefully they're going to use a couple weeks during the bye here to, to work on their goal kicking because that is certainly a struggle for them. They are an extraordinarily talented club, but they leave too many points on the field in too many different instances. Now, I hope if the Cats come up to play them, I hope that their their struggles kicking the ball continue. But, you know, that's as a Cats fan. But as a footy fan, you want to see them being able to score goals rather than behinds. You know, they've had several games that they barely won where they should have won by much, much wider margins. You know, and, you know, if they don't get this resolved, the finals for them could be over before they realize it even happened. You know, like I said, I hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it certainly could. Well, there's my tips for this week, folks. Again, I don't know what I'm talking about. Please don't take my advice. You know, I'm doing this for fun. You know, if you're you're going out there and, and placing wagers, please do it responsibly. I have a super coach team, and I have an AFL fantasy team. That's what I have, and there's no money involved with it. So that's that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you'd like to sign up for my mailing list, it is, it is on the, there's a link on the show notes for you. And uh, when I send out my new episodes, when they come out, that's the first group of people to get them. I put the link into an email and send it right off to them. So even before I put the new link out onto Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram, I think those are the only places I send them. It goes out to that email list. And again, you know, if you'd like to sign up, I'd love to have you there. I'm hoping, you know, once uh, things get settled in, um, I'm st- I've started back to school this week. Uh, we'll see how long we're actually in the school. We're going back right now five days a week in the classroom. I see my students for the first time next Monday. Uh, you know, we are in a, in a uh, county here in Ohio that is still considered in the, the hot zone, if you will. We've had a lot of cases in our county. So, you know, we've been hearing rumblings that we may only be in class for a short period of time and then possibly be back home again, teaching from home. Hopefully they will allow me to, to teach my lessons from my classroom while I'm, uh, while the kids may not be at school. Because there's so many things that I'd like to be able to utilize in my classroom. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to sign up, that'd be great. You know, I 
this is uh Tuesday evening that I'm recording this and uh yeah, I'm having to figure out how to fit getting my episodes completed and out to you during the school week. So now with uh my announcing gigs getting ready to start up with my uh working as a public address announcer as well, it's gonna get a little hectic for a while. So there may not be as many episodes as I'd like to push out or to get out to you. But I'm I'm still working on them. It's not going away by any stretch of the imagination. I'm having way too darn much fun doing this and reaching out and talking to you folks. So if you'd like to get on the mailing list, I'd love to have you on there. I'd love to be able to get that pod or that podcast episode out to you as soon as it comes out. Also, if you've got any ideas for a show topic or you know someone that uh, should come on the show as a guest, maybe it's you. Please feel free to drop me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Don't forget that while you can find all of the episodes of this podcast at a yank on the footy.podbean.com, you can also find it at your favorite podcast provider. I, I would love it if you would give me a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think. I'd love to see some, you know, see your comments. If you have any thoughts that you'd like to share on the Podbean app, that'd be great as well. But the, uh, the Apple podcast review lets them know how, you know how you think I'm doing, which makes it easier for people to find my podcast. Of course, it's really easy if you decide you want to share it with your friends and family. So if you'd want to do that, I would absolutely love it. Okay. Remember, you can reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me at yank underscore on on Twitter and a yank on the footy on Instagram and on Facebook. I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of a couple of pieces of his music, Elevation and Backplate. Mr. McDade's got some fantastic music out there. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com slash music as well as on Spotify. Thank you very much, sir. Now, those of you who in Victor- are in Victoria, it looks like the numbers are getting a little bit better. Stay safe. Look out for one another. Reach out and talk to your friends. Okay, because even though we can't be face to face, we certainly can talk to one another over Zoom or over Google Meet or FaceTime or just a phone call, something like that, where you let those people know that you care about them, that you're reaching out to them, that you're interacting with them. Okay, and hopefully they'll reach out to you as well. Now, ladies and gents, I want to thank you for listening. While many of us are fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of a game we love. And that's the game of footy. Now, if you're listening here in the U.S., we've got five games being broadcast here this week. On uh, Thursday morning, there are two games on Thursday morning at 2.30 a.m. And at 5 a.m., you've got the Hawks and Bombers with the Tigers and the Eagles. And then on Friday morning at 5.30, you've got the Bulldogs and the Cats. And then on... uh, Saturday, you've got uh, an 11.30. I'm sorry, there's also an 11.30 game on Friday evening. That's uh, Port Adelaide and Sydney. So if you've been watching you know, morning games and you've not seen a nighttime game here, that'll actually be a day game there. Very bright sunshine in many cases there. And then on uh, Saturday, you've got the Dockers and the Giants at 2.30 a.m. And those are on either FS1 or FS2. And don't forget that Australian rules football, it's why they invented the DVR. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for listening. I ask that you consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post.
I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 44 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and at Facebook at a yank on the footy. Again, thanks for listening, and please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Until next time, goodbye.